When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. I'm back in Proving Ground 6. And when we last met, I had disappeared into the mists in the chasms of time and ended up in another time and place. You're standing at the foot of a wooded hill, staring westward across a rolling grassy expanse that extends towards a line of dark trees that comprise the eastern edge of a vast forest. Countless twisted, bloodied corpses of men and goblins lie strewn across the great swath of the field before you, a testament to the savage brutality of a battle it was waged here only a few short hours ago. As you begin to slowly make your way along the edge of the field, a voice from your right breaks the eerie silence, nearly causing you to jump. They'll be back at us soon enough says the red-bearded, chain-clad man, leading a lame horse down out of the trees that swarm the hillside. We'll need some strong backs to clear up the dead from that field. I won't abide brave men lying there with that goblin filth. You should be eating and resting with the others. Let the scouts do our spying. Suddenly, you recognise the man leading his steed in your direction. Your pulse quickens. The red-bearded, middle-aged man, his face streaked with the grime of battle, and his blue tabard proudly displaying the mark of the king, is Thane Tuzak, a man whose exploits on the battlefield in the service of the crown are legendary. Recorded through Thane Tuzak's untimely death on the field of battle, that allowed a certain mercenary captain to be honoured with his seat of power. Realising that the Thane believes you to be one of the soldiers in his company, he politely imitates him that you serve under another commander who has asked you to survey the field. The Thane stares at you thoughtfully for a moment and then nods. I should have known as much by your garb, he says, looking you over while simultaneously tugging his blue tunic. Who would you answer to? Duan? Duand? Pond? He nods when you answer Poland and proceeds to tell you that he holds the young mercenary captain in high regard. There are far too many that sneer at the idea of the king's men pressing shoulders with hired swords, he says, stemming out across the battlefield. But you'll hear no such sediment from me. A man like your captain Poland is no de- less deserving of decoration and respect than the bravest, most noble of soldiers. And to be quite forthright, I 
have yet to see a man brandish a blade in his capacity. A remarkable man and a dear friend. Then Tassok gently strokes the neck of his horse and tells you that the animal has seen his last battle. Drop lame on the ride back to the camp, he says, shaking his head. Didn't feel right not letting me look out at the field of battle one last time. Fear on out, we'll all likely be on foot. We can pitch against these goblins as easily on our boots as we can from the saddle. Just wish, wish there weren't so many of them. You suddenly realise you're speaking with Thames Asak on the eve of what has become known as the Battle of Tonnet Field. The very battle in which the Thane met his death at the hands of the great goblin warrior Humgorn. Well, by tomorrow evening, the hordes of Goblindom will either be driven back into the dark of the wilds or left a what on this parcel, he says, grinning as he waves his hand across the field. Termit Field and the Hawk Path is as far east as we can allow them to pass. They will learn that Tysian Steel is no friend of the enemies of man. With that, the fane turns to lead his horse back up, up the wooded smoke, slope. But after only a few steps, he stops and looks at you. He opens his mouth to speak, but no sound ever reaches your ears. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation slowly starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you are startled to find your wary gaze setting itself upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. A brutal battle rages all around you, all across the grassy expanse that separates the tree covered slopes to the east and the dark edge of the forest to the west. Men and goblins are locked in a savage fight that has left countless dead strewn about the field of battle. Stepping behind the shattered and charred remains of a wheeled barricade, no doubt the casualty of a destructive power, one or more goblin bombs, you survey the gruesome scene. A massive horde of mounted goblins some of the largest and most fierce specimens of Goldsmithsburg you've yet witnessed, pressed hard against a stalwart, unbroken line of armoured soldiers. The chilling cries of the goblin warriors echo off the distant hills as the vicious creatures regroup time and again before relaunching their tireless assault against the grand force led by Thane Sartak. Suddenly, a blood-curdling shriek snares your attention, and he turns you away in time to witness a chain-clad soldier, his blue tunic scrained crimson, sinking to his knees before a fearsome pair, axe-wielding goblins. Instinct takes hold of you. You are about to move forward and engage the cruel duo when you spot a sizable regiment of soldiers heading across the field to the north. In the centre of the group, his blue tunic heading in Hanging in tatters and his sword drawn, strides the fame. 
So I've got a few, a couple of options here. I can avenge the soldier and attack the goblins or follow the thane's regiment. I will avenge the soldier and attack the goblins. Two mounting goblins look up from their dismemberment of the fallen soldier and snarl viciously. You quickly find yourself engaged in a brutal fight against the savage pair. It's two mounting goblin warriors. They hack at you with their, with their axes, as goblins are prone to do. Nearly done and slain. 38 XP. Having avenged a fallen soldier, you step over the bloody carcasses of the two goblins, only to find yourself confronted by a surging tide of the savage creepers. You hurriedly position yourself to face the charging horde one at a time. It's a snarling mountain goblin. So he hacks at you with his cruel axe and is slain. 13 XP. You bravely hold your ground and against the next of the savage goblins. It's another ho it's a howling mountain goblin. 2 of 23. 23! 13 XP. You bravely hold your ground and engage the next of the savage goblins. Okay, I'm just going to quick combat these. Number 4. Quick combat. Number five. Number six. 13 XP for all of them. I think it will go up soon. 14 XP. Another 14. Number nine. Number nine. You're beginning to become fatigued. Number ten. Yeah, I think that's going to make them tougher. 15. Another 15. Another 15, 14, 13, 16. Set, you struggle to fend off the, the effects of overwhelming fatigue. Okay, I'm going to do a bit of healing now. The mountain goblin warrior slumps to the ground at your feet and expires. You bravely hold your ground and engage the next of the savage goblins. You struggle to fend off the effects of overwhelming fatigue. It's 18. 15 XP for that. Number 19. 16 experience. Here comes number 20. Overwhelming fatigue. 21. Alright, bit more healing. 17 XP for that. Here comes 92. 17 experience. And the 23rd and final axe-wielding mountain goblin. 17 experience for that. 2,048 experience to general. 384 experience to all skills and powers. <laughs> so I've got more experience for that than I'd get for defeating an entire scenario. Eight spear-wielding goblins who are wide at the end of the fight turn and flee at the sight, sight of you as you step over the bloody corpses of your kin. Okay. Yes, you goblins. One. Run all the way back to the mountains. And preferably, run to those mountains, run over the top of those mountains, and then run into the next layer of mountains. 
and maybe one over a couple more mountains as well. You know, I don't, actually, just, you know, don't don't go into the next kingdom. though. No. I don't don't want you to cause any problems there. You know, find whatever's the most distant place for everywhere else, and just stay there. I mean, if you, if, if I don't want you dead, I just don't want you running down here and burning stuff. I mean, if you can somehow find a way to interact with we don't burn each other, that'd be nice. But I think after this, it's going to take a while. A while until we're ready to consider any other sort of interactions. Despite their savagery and their unbridled hatred of humankind, these creatures have no desire to engage the man who's just slain nearly two dozen hardened goblin warriors. Taking a few moments to gather your strength, you start off across the field to where Thane Tazak is pitching a valiant fight against a gruesome legion of armoured goblin warriors. It takes longer than you expected to reach Thane's, the Thane's regiment, and upon your arrival at the edge of the border-swoon region of the grassy expanse, you find Thane Tazak and his Thane Tazak and his men mired in a brutal struggle against a sizable force of armoured goblin warriors. The red bearded Thane, standing behind a wall of engaged soldiers, clutches at his bloody left arm while continuing to shout orders to his troops. Suddenly, your eyes are drawn skyward, higher above. Eerily silent as they soar through the air in a wide arc, and no less than a dozen goblin bombs. You watch in horror as one of the crude, insurgent, incendiary earthenware devices plunges down towards the unsuspecting Thane and his brave legion. Only moments to act. So, a fateful decision. Inexplicably, you feel that your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. So, there's one option I can take, use Elementalism 70+, plus, and there are, there are options I can't take. I could use Archery at 80+, plus, but I don't have that yet. Archery is only at 76. Destruction 70+, plus, Telekinesis 70+, plus, or Fortification at 80+. Plus. 80! I think that's... I think that's possibly just about the highest power check you'd see in the entire game. Very few people ever get this any of their powers into the eighties. Not even not even shadow magic. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use I can attempt I can also attempt to rush forward and warn things, Azak. All decide against intervening. I will use. I might just be. I might be irrevocably altering history, but nevertheless, I am going to be using elementalism. Succeeded. Twenty-four XP to elementalism. You summon your power of elementalism, and upon your command, a mighty air elemental sweeps down out of the afternoon sky and surges into the path of a plummeting earthenware pot. The ferocious gale sends the blow up off course, according to land nearly three dozen yards to the north of the famed re regiment, where it harmlessly desolates on a desolate patch of ground. 
the sense you feel following your intervention to prevent what might easily have been the death of the Thane proves fleeting. Only moments after sparing the commander and his men from the blast of the goblin bot, a dreadful turn of events amidst, unfolds amidst the chaos of the waging battle. Four soldiers standing directly before Thane's hussar suddenly topple to the ground, their tunics stroke with blood, and their weapons spilling spilling out of their lifeless hands. Stalking through the line of embattled soldiers, a flaming axe cut clutched in his knotted leathery fists is a hulking, black armoured mountain goblin. The vicious creature snarls and narrows his, his gleaming yellow eyes as he steps towards the unflinching Thane. Despite the wound that has turned his left arm limp, Thane Chazak raises his sword and assumes a defiant combat-ready stance in the face of the cruel aggressor. You suddenly realise that the fearsome goblin about to engage the Thane is Hungorm, the savage champion history has come to know as Tazark's slayer. Before you can even contemplate your next move, a series of powerful blasts shake the battlefield as goblin bombs rain down all around the Thane's regiment. Nearly locked off your feet by the concussive force of a particularly close explosion, your eyes widening with horror when you're tur- you tur- when you turn your gaze to the confrontation between Thane and Thungorn. Hungorn, standing over the headless corpse of the Thane, his mighty axe ablaze, is the sinister goblin champion. Hungorn tilts his head back and unleashes a bellowing cry that carries across the field, rising above the clamorous din of battle. Okay, looks like I haven't altered history in that respect, at least. Okay. In the wake of the gruesome death of their leader, some of the Titan soldiers that thought under Thane Sazak break rank and scatter to the far corners of the fray. Most, however, rally to the brazen cries of a newly arrived commander. You watch as a young man, perhaps no older than twenty, brutally cuts his way through a small host of goblin warriors, the head of a force of nearly three dozen battered mercenaries. The very sight of the golden-haired, blood-spattered, chain-clad swordsmen, the weary soldiers begin a rallying cry as they press forward in a frenzied assault driving through the ranks of the goblin horde. A second wave of goblins sweep in from the east, but they are quickly engaged and pushed back by the young mercenary captain and his stalwart band of battle-hardened warriors. It is that moment that you suddenly realise you are looking upon Sazak's eventual successor, a young mercenary captain known better to you as Thane Porringe. Porringe's arrival has not escaped the notice of Hangrom, and without delay, the savage goblin champion fiercely strides forward, coolly brandishing his flaming axe. 
as he prepares to engage the brazen mercenary. At first, you believe Prorand is aware of Hungum's approach, but you're horrified when he suddenly turns and begins watching a small goblin force drawing nearer from the south, unwittingly placing his back towards the encroaching fiend. Oh no, it's a fateful decision. Inexplicably, you fear your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. So, I can rush forward and attack Hongorm, or I can decide against intervening. Obviously, I am not going to lose. I am not going to have my Thane die again. Hongorm! This is personal for something that hasn't even happened yet and probably won't happen. I will avenge him on you, who had nothing to do with it. I'm just, I'm just poorly aimed vengeance upon you, Ungorm. He rushed forward, charging across the corpse-littered ground in an attempt to place yourself in Ungorm's path before the cruel goblin champion moves to within striking distance of an unsuspecting Captain Prowend. You're within ten yards of the fearsome goblin when he suddenly spins to face you. With a vicious snarl, the black-armoured mountain goblin, masterfully brandishing his flaming axe, starts in your direction. You draw yourself into a defensive stance and boldly await the savage creature's advance. Now, I hope this doesn't distract from Thane Poland's glory, because he needs the glory so he can become the Thane. And he needs to become the Thane... So he can send me on my mission. And he needs to send me on the mission so I can save the day by travelling back in time. You now battle Hongorm the Savage. It's an 18 plus roll. So, there just happens to be one item that I use in such a situation. And that's the Wand of Dragonfire. A deafening roar fills the air as a powerful breath of fire explodes from the tip of your iron wand. Your enemy is consumed by the ravaging flames, taking 237 damage. It's now at just 14% health, and Hongrom swings at you with his flaming axe. I take 10 damage. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow. For 34 damage. Then I'm going to use all three of my quick stone 20s. Okay. Ooh, oh, he's got just 3% left. I will use the power of necromancy. Wraith touch. Your wraith like touch tends a deadly, deathly chill through the enemy. You have slain your foe. 36 damage from that. 522 experience. 26 to general. 235 of it to necromancy. 145 to weaponry bashing. And 116 to weaponry. You step back from the bloodied, tricksing corpse of Hongorm and watch as the fearsome 
Goblin Warrior draws a final, ragged breath, and expires. You there! What company are you with? You look up to see the young mercenary commander, Captain Porrand, approaching you. His face and the front of his chain shirt are streaked with blood, but he smiles broadly and salutes you with a wave. We'll have the rest of this lot soon enough, he cries, meeting you in a shoulder cross. I don't know your face, but I know a metal man with metal when I behold one. You've just slain Hungorm the Savage for a fleeting moment, as he withdraws his hands from your shoulder. Captain Porn regards you with a critical stare. Then, as if whatever notion has temporarily taken root in his mind, it was suddenly gone. He turns and moves off in the direction of the beleaguered wall of soldiers to the west. Yes, the thane lives. Yay! But do we keep me? As Captain Poland begins shouting orders to the remainder of the regiment that served Thane Tazak, attempting to rally them in the face of the swelling goblin horde. Without warning, a thick, swirling band of grey mist takes form just overhead and swiftly descends, rapidly enveloping you in a churning sea of dense fog. A powerful, disorientating sensation washes over you. The sense of disorientation starts to fade, and as it does, the mist that envelops you begins to lift. As the fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wet gaze, setting itself upon a sea entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. So that finishes this scenario. I get 3,072 experience to general and 256 experience to all skills and powers. Then on to the Chasm of Time, part 3. Begin the scenario. So there was a, con a conclusion of the previous parts. Fog dissipates, you're startled to find your wary gaze. Setting upon a scene entirely different from the one that confronted you only moments ago. And now, as you struggle to regain your bearings and acclimate to your new surroundings, and to a scenario now unfolding before you, you begin to understand you've just been teleported back to another time and place. A frigid blast of wind. Bearing on its deadly breath small particles of ice that sting the exposed flesh of your face, howls wildly as it surges through the towering hardwoods that surround you, doing your best to ignore the biting chill now sweeping into your bones. You gaze about in an attempt to familiarise yourself with the snow-draped forest you're now standing in, a bleak, lonely landscape that extends to the very edge of your sight in every direction. As you turn and begin to make your way to the top of a small, thickly forested wise at your back, hoping to gain a better advantage of the needed area, you really stumble upon something half buried in the snow. With your left hand pressed against the sturgy trunk of an ancient oak, you stared down with wide-eyed horror at the still bloody body of a young man. You drop to your knees and examine the young man's body. 
only to have your heart skip a beat as his eyes flicker open and a faint moan escapes from his half-frozen lips. His padded vest and thick cloth shirt are caked with blood-soaked snow. Now looking to the east, you can make out a broad, crimson-stained trail through the forest, the path along which the wounded man obviously dragged himself. Please help my sister, he says, his weakened voice barely rising up the incessant howl of the wind that heralds the onset of a, the gathering winter storm. Follow her tracks! Help her! You must help her! The young man is dying. A wave of despair washes over you. The instant you discern he is swiftly, swiftly slipping away. You're distempered by the realisation there is nothing more you can hope to do for him. Well, I do have level 67 in restoration, but apparently it's one of... It's, it's a plot wound, you see. Plot wounds cannot be healed with magic, it's just the rules. Hardly asking what he means, hoping to glean whatever you can, what he might be able to relate. But he simply repeats his desperate plea. Then, as his eyes begin to close, he tells you to take the amulet round his neck. You glance at the tarnished bronze amulet resting atop his bloody shirt. Give it to her, he says. His voice little more than a faint whisper. She will know what to do with it. By the hand of the All-Father, you must see it done. Give it. Give it to her. Give it to her. We must get back to our father. You nod in response to the entreaty, making certain that, that he witnesses the gesture before his eyes shut for the, for the last time. The wind changes direction, swirling last night's narrow snow over and around you. You carefully fold, fold the young man's arm across his chest. Arms across his chest. Suddenly, and inexplicably overcome by a profound sense of urgency, you make good on your silent promise and remove the tarnished bronze amulet from around his neck. As you rise to your feet, you examine the oddly shaped amulet, conclude it is half, less than, less than half of a larger piece. Right. View the oddly shaped amulet. This is an oddly shaped, tarnished bronze amulet. I assume it doesn't do anything statistically, but that's probably because it's not complete. But either way, its sedimental value is through the roof. Recalling that the young man beseeches you to follow her tracks, you meet you swiftly embark on a thorough search of the immediate area, seeking any sign that might indicate that someone has recently passed through here. It takes you less than a minute to find what you're looking for. Passing over the top of top of the wise in a broad path marked by the small by small scattered snow filled impressions. You assume were made by the young man's sister. Judging by the size of the tracks, you arrive at the unsettling conclusion his sister is a young girl. Immediately begin to fear for her safety in this perilous, icy wilderness. As you quickly ascend the remainder of the slope, 
hoping to gain a better view of the surrounding forest. You abruptly freeze in mid-step. Slowly, your eyes drift downwards. When you get, when your gaze falls upon a sight that fills you with dread, there, at the edge of the muddled path, clearly discernible from the untouched drifting of white that surrounds it, is a single, broad, four, four-toed mark. It is the unmistakable print of a large wolf. Overcome by an unshakable and growing sense of desperation, you leap to the top of the wise and stare out across the frozen spot forest spread out below you to the west. At first, you can see little of the lower woodlands beneath the swirling veil of snow and ice that whips through the frigid air on the back of the surging wind. Then, turning slightly to the north, you spot something moving swiftly through the trees, now and again disappearing from view as it dips behind a snowy hill or the base of a soaring conifer. As the moving figure begins to cross a more open expanse, gets a full but fleeting glimpse of the first of the winter wolves. You don't wait to see if you can catch sight of the rest of the wolf pack. A ghoulish chorus of howls reaches your ears, eerily be- blending into the shrill whistle of the frigid wind. Begin your rapid descent to the le- west, praying with every hastened step that the young girl those tracks Tracks you continue to pursue, continue to follow, has managed to stay ahead of the savage pursuers. When you reach the base of the hill, you strike out across the flat, snow-covered forest floor, trudging through knee-deep drifts and stumbling over buried rocks and limbs as you press steadily westward. As you reach the summit of a low, rock-strewn slope, your heart leaps. Moving swiftly through the narrow, icy, boulder-filled ravine below is the, is the one side with any hope of momentarily allaying your worst fears. It's a small, fur-clad girl running for her life. A lone, piercing howl from the north echoes along the ravine and the young girl glances back over her shoulder. A face betraying the terror that serves to drive her every step. Her legs have long since, having long since passed the point of exhaustion. Suddenly, the girl's flight reaches an abrupt end as she stumbles into the figure that steps into her path and takes hold of her shoulders with, with, with a pair of firm, Firm, reassuring hands. As the child, t- perhaps no older than ten, turns her wide eyes, hard, sticking glaze upon you. You calmly, quietly point to a tall pine at the edge of the ravine and tell her to climb it. Without a word, she nods and turns to rush towards the, the tree. Fateful decision. Inexplicably, you feel your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. Give her the omelette or not? Now I have, I have, a, I have a pretty stone wall. Any promise you make to a dying man, you have to keep. Unless it's something really stupid like, burn down the hospital. If it's something like that, then, then no. 
Or if they were clearly going cuckoo at the end, then maybe not. But if they're lucid, and then I have to, you know, then I pretty much have to keep it. Give her the amulet. We suddenly take the girl by the arm, momentarily preventing her flight, and press into her hands the amulet you took only a short while ago from the neck of the dying young man. As a trio of howls suddenly breaks out to the north, you forcefully repeat your directive, and the girl promptly scurries to the base of the pine, as she begins to pull herself up into the relative safety of its broad, snow-covered limbs. You turn towards the mouth of the ravine, awaiting your first glimpse of the fearless hunters now swiftly bearing down on their intended prey. As an unnerving chorus of ghastly howls sails through the surrounding forest, you spot the first pair of winter walls bursting from the trees on the northern edge of the narrow ravine. A quick glance over your shoulder feels that the girl has climbed nearly 20 feet into the tree, high enough to keep out of reach of the ferocious canines, as three more of the fierce predators appear at the far end of the gorge. You draw yourself into a defensive stance as you prepare to meet the vicious charge. In seconds, the first of the winter wolves is upon you, snarling as it tears at your flesh with its deadly fangs. You immediately sense something sinister about the savage creature. I mean, more than usual. It's the winter wolf. I'm going to fight it. The winter wolf snarls savagely as it tears at your flesh with its deadly fangs. And I'm bashing its head in with a mace. And it is slain. 15 XP. The second winter wolf bounds over the bloody carcass of its slain kin and viciously attacks. The savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for 12 damage. And I'm bashing it once more as it tears at my flesh with its Deadly, deadly fangs. And it's nearly done and slain. 15 XP. As you step over the remains of the winter walls, you stare along the length of the frozen ravine, bounding towards you, directly up to the centre of the border-strewn gully, and no less than a dozen of the vicious, white-coated, wild canine. I can just fight these wolves directly, or I can shoot, try to shoot them with the bow first, which I will. You swiftly draw your bow and notch an hour, taking aim at the foremost of the bird-bounding wolves. The surging wind and billowy clouds of snow serve to make for an extremely difficult shot. Pick a number. Bonus of 59. 30... 30 from archery, which is boosted by having the Grand Ashen Bow. 19 for woodmanship. And 10 for agility. Hmm. So, 30 from archery. So, if I had... Hmm, it might be possible to... To get it to a level where you cannot fail. But, I'm not sure that's... That's very difficult, if not impossible. So pick now. Success with 113. 64 XP to archery. 
you loose an arrow and watch as the feathered shaft whistles along the ravine, cutting through the icy air before embedding itself deep in the chest of the bounding wolf. Without so much as a whimper, the savage creature pitches forward onto the frozen ground, dead before its carcass ploughs to a stop in the deepening snow. The first winter wolf has fallen prey to our you quickly turn your steely gaze to the next of the charging wolves. You swiftly draw your, ba- your bow and notch another arrow, taking aim at the foremost of the bounding wolves. The surging wind and billowing clouds of snow serve to make for an extremely difficult shot. Same check again. Pick now. Success with 77. Another 64 experienced archery, the second winter wolf has fallen prey to your arrows. Same check again. Success! 64 XP to archery, the third wolf goes down onto the next check. Success! That's four of them down. I wonder, will I be able to take down all 12 wolves? That'll be a lot of archery experience. 64 XP for that as well. Same check again. 59 bonus, needs 75 or more. Failure. Well, that was gonna that was gonna happen eventually. With 69. You lose your arrow. But but the feathered shaft sails wide of its mark, vanishing beneath the blanket of snow. It covers the floor of the ravine. With no other conceivable recourse. You quickly shoulder your bow and bravely prepare to engage the remaining winter wolves. The next of the savage canines is swiftly upon you. It's the fifth of twelve winter wolves. It snarls savagely as it tears at your flesh with its deadly fangs and is slain. 15 XP. Number 12, I'm just going to quick combat all these winter walls from now on. 7, 8, 16 XP, 9, another 16 XP, 10, 16 XP. The bloodied carcass of the winter wolf stumps the ground feet, 16 XP, 256 experience to general. Having slain the last of the walls, you turn to check on the girl, who has still fairly climbed to the upper limbs of the nearby pine, only to find yourself confronted by a large group of winter wolves stalking towards you from the southern end of the, of the ravine. The nine wolves, led by a beast that's nearly twice the size of any wolf you've encountered in this snowy wilderness, begins bounding towards you, snarling and howling as they bear down on their intended prey. You call out to your young child, telling her to remain where she is, perched securely on a broad bench high in the evergreen, safely above the impending fray. A split second later, the massive wolf at the front of the pack is upon you, attempting to tear out your throat. It's a massive winter wolf. The massive winter force tears savagely at your flesh with its deadly fangs. The savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for about 10 or so damage, something like that. Another one for another savage bite. 
and slain. 60, 42 experience. You leap back from the carcass of the massive wolf and draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as you, as you stand defiantly before the remainder of the vicious pack. It's now plain these creatures are not ordinary wolves. You suspect they are somehow magical in nature, but you cannot begin to guess at their origin or purpose. Moving to your right, you position yourself between two tall shoulders of the, of the ledge. Prepare to face the fearless wolves, one at a time. It's the second winter wolf. Just quick combat, that one. 39 XP. You step over the carcass of the winter wolf. Position you hope to face the next of the savage white pact. Here's the third. Another 39 XP. The fourth. 39 XP. The fifth. 39 XP. Also, time to heal. Number six, that is slain as well, 40 XP. Seven, 40 XP. Eight, 40 XP for that. You step over the carcass of the winter wolf and position yourself to face the last of the savage canine pact. It's the ninth wolf and quick combat, 40 XP. There's the, there you are. You've slain the last of them. 512 experienced in general. With the bloodied carcasses of the wolves piled on the floor of the Wavine at your feet, you turn, turn and move swiftly to the base of the pine, your every sense alert for any sign of more wolves. When you're reasonably certain not in any intimate danger of, of another attack, you call, call, up the, call up to the young girl and ask her if she can climb down to the lofty perch. Just a, Within just a few moments, she adeptly scale down the trunk of the pine and comes to stand before you. Her eyes fixed nervously on the forest that surrounds the gorge. Then, without warning, she steps forward and throws her round her waist, squeezing you as you begin to cry. She suddenly pulls away from you with a tear-drope Tear-streaked face. She asks you a question. You aren't fully prepared to answer. Where's my brother? Is he dead? <laughs> With great care and still mi mindful, mindful of the danger inherent in lingering here, you tell the young girl about her brother's passing, making certain to relate to her his request that she be given the amulet. Much of surprise, she does not cry. Instead, nods, holds up the amulet, now dangling from your neck for you to see. The oddly shaped trinket has somehow been has been somehow rejoined to the second part, and is now twice the size of the piece you required. Not wishing to remain here longer than necessary, but eager to learn what you can about this girl, a brother, and the dire peril you found her in the midst of. You ask her about the walls and where she and her brother were heading. Without answering you, she creeps at her alarm and meets behind you, her hands clutching at your garb. They were heading home. Sounds a soft but masculine voice from behind you. She and her brother were heading home with property that belongs to me. With every nerve tingling, you turn around and fix your defiant gaze on an unsettling scene.
standing about a dozen yards from you, in the middle of a frozen, boulder-strewn ravine, is a tall, thin, black-bearded man, clad in a lengthy, grey, fur-lined coat, his gaunt face framed by a wild mane of dark hair that spills off his head and runs to his beard, is set with a pair of fierce blue eyes. Flanking the eerie figure and serving as an immediate reason for your alarm are two dozen winter wolves. The savage, fearless canine sit quietly at the side of the man they obviously regard as their master. The young girl tightening her grip on you from behind. You boldly ask the man what it is he seeks. He slowly turns and looks back along the gorge, his eyes passing over the carcass of the slain wolves. He then turns to you. I suppose I might first want some new wolves, he says, shrugging his shoulders. Before you can respond to his flippant remark, the man folds his arms across his chest and fixes his piercing gaze on you as he issues a threatening mandate. The girl's brother stole from me an amulet that is my lawful property, he says, his voice adopting a low rumble as the angry words spill through his clenched teeth. It suffices to say that I hold thieving wretches and those who would knowingly give them haven in only the lowest possible regards. Seems to me that you must know the urchin clug tugging at your, your seat, sleeve, else you might keep a better watch on your pockets. Defiantly tell the man that the theft of property does not justify what happened this day, and the girl and the amulet are now under your protection. And a formidable guard it would seem, he said, his careful inflection revealing nothing of his intentions, as he once again turns and looks back over the remains of his slain wolves. I am truly sorry for what happened to your brother, Uriel, but you must know it was never my intention to hurt anyone. Uh, somehow I doubt that. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, I don't want to hurt anyone. Where you've already had 12 wolves. You've already had 20... 21... No, a, a couple of dozen wolves try and kill... Try and kill Uriel. But they got killed by me instead. I suggest that you return to me what is mine. So there's no further trouble. The mention of the name Uriel, your pulse quickens. You realise that the accomplished spellcaster and brave ally you first met during your adventure in Quaristain is indeed the same little girl now clutching behind you, fearful of the black-bearded man and his pack of wolves. You're a liar! She says, stepping out from behind you, her small, wavering voice, almost completely swallowed up by the rush of wind, sweeps along the ravine. This is my father's amulet, and you can't have it. You know what? The fact is, it's been split into two. Yeah, it kind of makes sense for something that was given to a brother and a sister. If, a, if that guy just had it himself, it would have been in one piece. 
because he's a guy. He's by himself. Yeah. I'm taking Uriel's word on it. But mostly I'm taking our word for it because we have an adventure together. Or we will have an adventure together. Or we have had will... Ah! Grammar is complicated when time travel is involved. Anyway, Uriel is my friend. So I believe her. Also, you you you've tried you've you're sending wool you're sending wolves to attack children. You're a dick. You are a really huge dick, Mr. Wolfman. And so even if the amulet is yours, you're not having it. Cause you're a dick. You are a dick. You suck. And I'm gonna kill all your wolves. And then we'll see about what happens to you. Before you can react, Oreo steps in front of you, her frail small body trembling as she swiftly draws back her white arm, then thrusts her open palm towards the sinister black-bearded figure. Instantly, as if struck by an invisible force, the man is stripped off his feet and driven backwards into the side of a massive boreal, grasping for breath and moaning with agony. He sumps to his gap to the ground at the foot of the rock. Oreo dodges your grasp and again thrusts her hand outwards, sending the falling man sliding across the stone-covered ground into the side of another boulder. His head strikes the base of the giant stone with a sharp, sickening crack. You realise at once that the young Oreo already possesses potent magical ability. Now, unless you intervene, she will likely she will likely kill the man with her formidable mastery of telekinesis. Suddenly, as if stirred to action by an unspoken command, the two dozen winter wolves spring forward, starting viciously as they bound towards the young mage. Two of the larger wolves take the lead. You have only seconds to spare Uriel a gruesome fate. Now, there are three things I can't use right now because they all need level 80. That's archery, fortification, and telekinesis. I can't do any of those. And so I shall attempt to intercept the bounding wolves in a more mundane fashion. You rush forward. Attempting to place yourself between Uriel and the bounding wolves. Pick a number. Bonus of 78. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 19 from luck, 19 from woodmanship. Gotta get 75 or more, so I can not fail. So, technically, this option is probably better than using those powers. Especially if you are at a high enough level to actually really use the powers, because this is a guaranteed success. If you use the skills or powers, you can fail. So pick now. 104, success. You leap in front of Uriel and brazenly assume a combat-ready stance. Do your best to shield the young spellcaster as you position yourself to engage the snarling pack one at a time. With a vicious snarl, the closest of the wolves bounds forward and attacks, lunging for your throat with its deadly fang-filled jaws. It's another winter wolf, the first of twenty-four. 
the Whiff Winter Wolf savagely tears at your flesh with his deadly fangs. Now keep bashing it. And it is slain. 39 XP. The Winter Wolf slumps to the ground at your feet and expires. He is making sure St. Urio is still behind you. You violently engage the next of the vicious wolves. Alright, I'm going to quick combat that. That's 2. 39 XP. 3. 39 XP. 4. And 5. And 6. Okay, that's a quarter of them down now. A little, little bit of healing. The winter wall slumps to the ground at your feet and expires. 7. And 8. And 9. 10. 11. 40 XP now. Because each one is getting just a little bit tougher than the last. Because that's that's how it usually works. Another 40 XP. 13. 14. Usually works. Where, you, where if you fight a huge number of foes that just worn at you one at a time, they get slowly stronger. Although I think this is actually, they're not getting stronger. It's just symbolic of you getting weak, getting slightly weaker as you get tired. But they just they don't do that because you don't want to mess around with with the cat with the character's stats. Stats unless you have to, because you might forget to put them back. And then you're in trouble. 40 XP for that. 16. Okay, that's two-thirds of them. 17. 18. 19. 20! Alright, not many left now. 21. Let's finish that off with a battle wage. 22. Is 23, making sure St. Urio is still behind you. You valiantly engage the next of the Winter Wars. Quick combat. Okay, a bit of healing there. And then on with a sweat pouring down from your brow and a dull ache in your chest, accompanying each drawn breath. You valiantly engage the last of the Winter Wolves. Begin combat with the 24th Wolf. The winter wolf tears at your flesh with its deadly fangs in a savage way. Alright, bash, 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 bash. Savage bite of your enemy. And it is slain for 41 XP. And that's all of it. staggers to your feet and expires. 3,072 experience to general. And 256 experience to all skills and powers. Hopelessly wary, you drunk to one knee and struggle to catch your breath as you look over your gruesome handiwork. It's that moment you realise Uriel is no longer behind you. A low moan snaps your head in the direction of the black-bearded man, still lying at the foot of the boulder into which he was flung. He rises to his feet and makes several failed attempts to regain his feet. 
before collapsing back onto the frozen ground. Moving across the ravine, stepping around the bloodied remains of the slain wolves, her eyes fixed on the helpless man, is Oreo. You suddenly realise the young spellcaster, trembling with fear, surrounded by grim reminders of death, intends to avenge her brother. And that, and that finishes this scenario with 3,072 experience to general and 256 experience to all skills and powers. So, yep, that's... And then next time, we get to see what she's going to actually do with the man and whether I will intervene. But that will be for next time when we move on to The Chasm of Time, Part 4. Where hopefully I'm going to get closer to Wailuf Temluk, or whatever it may be, the future Grand Century. And hopefully we can, you know... Burn that leather-bound journal before it can cause so many problems. So, so many problems. But, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.